Welcome to Civics Daily. I'm your host, Patrick Hobble. It is just me and my friend Kendrick Lamar hanging out on a Friday night. I'm not sure what that means. I'm either cool because I'm hanging out with Kendrick Lamar or I'm an absolute dork because I'm doing a political podcast on a Friday night by myself drinking a Coca-Cola. It's a good thing it's a Coca-Cola because there's a alcohol czar associated with the Biden administration who's going to tell us that you cannot have more than two beers a week. But like I said, it is Coca-Cola. So we will follow the law today. We also have KJP straight up lying to the sheep. Don't be a sheep. Don't break it down. We got an attorney general also straight up lying to himself. Pretty terrible right there. And I will break it down for you today. We have Donald Trump in 1987 on the David Letterman show. And we may go down the memory road with David Letterman. Absolute spectacular show. But we'll talk about the TV shows, how cable is changing, the streaming services. We'll go all over the place today because, like I said, I'm two Coca-Colas in. That's my limit. All today on Civics Daily. Pick your poison, tell me what you're doing Everybody go respect the shooter But the one in front of the lives forever The one in front of Welcome back to the show I'm your host, Patrick Hobbled Civics Daily, Friday night What a long week I really like my job, so I'm not going to say anything about my job I am blessed, though As much as I bash this country as much as I bash this country, I will have to say we're making money, we got a good job, and I work with good people, and we'll leave it at that. So let's roll through what we got on a Friday night. We're going to go off on some tangents tonight. To be honest with you, I'm going to say that I prepped the show but I didn't prep the show. And I've been a teacher for almost two decades, and I'm, I'm going to sit here and tell you that the best lessons that I've ever done, whether it be in physics or chemistry or whatever it might be, the best lessons are the ones where you, you got the idea, but you really don't restrain yourself. It just sort of happens, and then you go down the tangent. So let's revisit this conversation in about an hour. I'll try to keep it to about an hour. So let's start with the big, I'll just click on a random one here. So we got a federal judge has struck down a Texas law requiring age verification and health warnings to view pornographic websites and blocked the state attorney general's office from enforcing it. Now, whoever the attorney general is in Texas, if that's Ken Paxton, that dude's one of the most corrupt guys out there there is so much evidence on him however i believe the sat it's it's this saturday i believe he has a hearing this saturday so we'll see if he is convicted of corruption and removed from office however i have an interesting take on this if the federal judge blocks the law from requiring id this is what he said and and i sort of side with the judge here as much as i understand and and agree that porn is destructive to young males in particular and old males. I mean, it's, 
it's it's a serious vice. And anybody that would treat it as not a vice or something separate is completely naive. It can ruin relationships. It can ruin families. Any vice. Any any vice that, that you take in too much is destructive. And like with everything, with time and overuse becomes addiction and addiction destroys lives. You can replace that with alcohol. You can replace it with cocaine. You can replace it with sex. It doesn't really matter what you replace it with. The body is not capable of handling an overdose of any vice. And I think I said that about as clear as you possibly could. That being said, Judge Ezra said the law, which was to take effect today, raises privacy concerns because a permissible age verification is using a traceable government-issued identification and the government has access to and is not required to delete the data. This is from CBS News. Quote, people will particularly be concerned about accessing controversial speech when the state government can log and track that access, Ezra wrote. By verifying information and your age in particular through government identification, the law would allow the government to peer into the most intimate and personal aspects of your life. Therefore, I must rule that this is an overreach. End quote. I'm sorry. I have... First off, I would like to give a round of applause, applause to Coca-Cola's. That's what we're doing Friday night, right? I, ha- I have to give a round of applause to a judge who takes his job absolutely serious. This is one of those things that from, from the start, like from when you read it immediately... It, it is so easy to say, yeah, put an age verification on that. Don't let these teenagers get into that. Right? Don't, don't do that. They, they don't need that. It's so easy. And, and it's one of the most blinding arguments that you can make because there is one, it, it's just one of those things that hits you real quick. Like you, sh- you don't want your kids to watch porn. You don't want teenagers to have access to some of this stuff. And it is just such a trigger of, no, you're right. Those age verify that raise the age. And I'm guilty of it myself. It was a few shows ago, maybe a week or two, maybe a month ago, something like that, that I was, we were talking about some story. Maybe Utah, because Utah banned it. Or no, maybe it was Arkansas. I, I, it was one of the states that actually, that, that put the age verification in place. But this judge, you got to give a round of applause, applause, applause to judge Ezra because you know he went back into his chambers and he weighed the issue. He looked at everything. And 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 this is why he was elected. I guess deep in the heart of of me I still have faith that there are people like judge Ezra. And I'm not going to sit here and t- I'm not I uh, this is an interesting take. I I I know it's an interesting take. That's what we do here on Civics Daily is we have hot takes, hot perspectives 
takes that you wouldn't normally get from other people or any other media outlet. I, I haven't read any of this. I literally read the article and I have an opinion. And so if you're following this show, first off, I appreciate you for listening for a Friday night show. Secondly, that's what we try to do here. Is 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 I don't have anything to offer other than my mind. And this is something I've come to terms with. I'm 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 a 40-year-old, almost 41 in 24 days, balding middle-aged man with teen approaching teenagers and I've started working out again. So, I don't want to say overweight balding middle-aged man. But I, I will say I will say that the only thing I think I have to offer for this podcast is my mind. And and when I hear that Judge Ezra say a quote like that, where where he he tries to argue that the government can log and track your access, and it's best if we allow teenagers to look at porn so that they cannot so the government cannot track adults and other people's access to these intimate details of your private life. You have to give a round of applause to judge Ezra, whether you agree or not, the guy was elected to make the decisions. He wasn't elected to make the decisions you agree with. He was elected to make the decisions that he thinks is right. Hence he ran a campaign he tried to get his character into that campaign and wherever this is, and I do not know because I'm sort of enamored with this decision at the moment. I mean, it's in Texas, but I, I don't know which course. It was House Bill 1181. Greg, Greg Abbott signed it in June. It violates free speech rights and is overbroad and vague. And in, in, in Judge Ezra agreed with this. The Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals in New Orleans. And they appealed to this and he said, yeah, we're not going to let the government do that. I would rather put these teenagers at risk of these of this vice than to allow the federal government to peer in on the intimate details and lives of these citizens. That's a that's a big time decision. I you can side either way, and I think you can make a coherent argument either way. So I just give a round of applause to Judge Ezra because if the courts are doing their job, and I actually agree with Ezra on this one. I wish it says his first name. I don't even know his first name. We're gonna find it just so I could say it. Right? I actually agree with Ezra on this one. Judge Ezra. Who are you? David Ezra. Out of Texas. I I actually really do agree with him. I, you know, he, he this is just one of those decisions you weigh back and forth. So it's good to see a judge doing his job. Now, whether you agree or not, that's not that's not what I'm saying. But he's taking his job seriously. He weighed the he weighed it. He made a decision, and I'm sure if you ask him to explain it, he probably could. What else we got going on? Well, we got New York's 
disgusting pot stench is apparently keeping tourists away. Apparently. We say apparently because we have all of these things going on. We got we got the U.S. Open tennis going on. We got everybody playing and all of the people going to watch, all the celebrities going to watch, everything, everything here and there, like just big time stuff. They're all complaining, complaining about the weed, even the players. The number eight player in the world, German ace Alexander Zeverev spoke about blunts more bluntly. Court 17 definitely smells like Snoop Dogg's living room, end quote. Another player says, quote, the magic is gone. I feel like I'm in a pot shop, end quote. Interesting. I love tennis. The U.S. Open is on my bucket list for sure. But the blue cities and the border are out of control. Now, is there any correlation with the border crisis and the weed smoking? I do not know. But I do know this, that if you have open borders and you let anybody and everybody in, then you will get problems like this. You get problems like drugs. You get problems like overcrowding. You get problems like homelessness. You get problems like All the stuff you see on the news in the big blue cities, as they say. Speaking of the border, as I watched Mayor Adams for New York City scream about how the Biden administration is not doing enough. Mayor Adams, this is ridiculous. This is unconstitutional. Something has to be done, so he says. And I thought my impression could have been just as good as the video, so I skipped the video, which led to our favorite player, KJP, Kareen Jean-Pierre, where she says the president has done more to secure the border to deal with this issue of migration than anybody else. And I will play you this one. It is. The president has done more to secure the border and to deal with this issue of immigration than anybody else. He really has. June saw the single largest month-to-month drop in lawful, unlawful border crossing because of the policies this president put in place. Does anybody know why? It wasn't because Biden. I'll give you a hint. Let's rewind that. And I want you to think about it for a second because of the policies this president put in place. Is it because the policies the president has put in place or is it because the policies that say maybe a Greg Abbott has put into place by dropping razor wire in the river that they swim across? You know, the same razor wire that we put around our prisons to keep people from escaping. It is possible that DeSantis stepped up his game that Governor Abbott stepped up his game. I don't even know Arizona. It is possible that all three of them stepped up their game and shut it down on their own. It is possible that they made it such a deterrent by razor wire or getting bust to Alaska or wherever 
they get bust. I don't know. But I have no respect for somebody that wants to break the law and come into the United States of America. I don't have a respect for that. I do have a respect for somebody who steps up and does it the way the country asks them to do it. Whether you agree with that or not is arbitrary. Well, I, you know, I'm just, I'm trying to provide for my family. No, nope. I don't give a about it. You can call me unemotional. You can call me unempathetic. I don't care what you say. There's a policy. If you disagree with the policy, register to vote, and we can vote for people that we want in there to make more policy. What I do not agree with is you coming to this country from, say, Honduras, pick a random country, and you're walking across Mexico, and you get to our border, and you're like, well, I disagree with that policy. I'm going to sneak in anyway. Secretary Mayorkas, who is, man, he's just one of those guys that Biden picked, and then he'll do whatever Biden does. He's like the little militant soldier. Like, he'll do whatever he says. He'll deny, 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 deny. He stonewalled on Congressional Hill, on a congressional hearing on Capitol Hill. And it's just lie after lie after lie. Listen to the rest of this. We've got a record number of federal agents and officers, more than 24,000 working to secure the border because of the funding this president secured. We brought, we brought 21 world leaders on the West Coast, as you all remember, together for the first time to ever to deal with this issue in a, in a regional way uh, because of the alliances that this president has put forth. And we secured record funding for border security and management. And let's not forget, we expanded, we've ex expanded the pathway uh, to citizenship under this president. Not the question. You can expand the pathway to citizenship without allowing free reign attack on the borders. Literally any criminal, any nice person, any mom, any dad, any dad, any leaving his family to go get more money for their family in some politically prosecuted country or some bad area. You can have that without allowing everybody and their dog to come through. And mind you, he's been doing this on his own. Does he want to do it in a bipartisan way? Absolutely. That's why he put forth uh, his per first piece of legislation to be on immigration to fix this broken system. He's not fixing the broken system. Greg Abbott is fixing the broken system. Listen, I'm going to be absolutely real. I could not stand. In fact, I, I, was, I was so beyond upset during 2020 when Greg Abbott decided to close two things. He closed two things in the state of Texas because fear of COVID. He closed... The river in New Bronzeville's and all bars and restaurants in Texas. In fact, he labeled a bar and a restaurant separately. You are a restaurant if you receive a majority of your money via food. I want to say 
If you received 50% of your income or profits via food, then you were a restaurant and you were allowed to be open. But if you were a bar, and at the time I was working at a bar, I'll just be transparent about this. I was making, I was teaching school during COVID, but I was also running a bar during COVID. And this bar was paying me close to fifteen hundred a Friday night, and maybe to like eighteen hundred on a Saturday night. Like there was, there's a lot of money flying around. And then you close the bar, therefore all that money goes away. However, since I'm employed at a school district at the time, I could not file for unemployment. So all the bartenders that that got you know shut down, you could file for unemployment, or you could file for aid and you got it you got the government aid because if governor abbott shuts down the bars then you get the aid however if you're a teacher and that's your second job then you lose i don't know 30 grand 40 grand oh i was so pissed at governor abbott i i literally could not stand him i i what he said on the news about the covid stuff i just did not understand it and in fact I don't have a lot of nice things to say about the bar I was at. In fact, the people that I work for at that bar, if they are listening to the show, they're hoping I make a mistake and say something that I shouldn't. You know? In fact, there's only three people on this planet that know that story, and that would be my accountant, my lawyer, and myself. And we are barred from telling you what actually happened. So, all that being said, one good thing this bar did was that they started, (laughs) they changed the way you ring it in. Let me talk about Governor Abbott being bad at one thing and good at another. He said, well, bars are closed and tubing river places are closed. So my bar decided to sell cups of ranch. Actually, in fact, they started charging you for ice. So if you came to the bar and you got a vodka soda, we'll just pick that one. Just a random generic white girl drink. If you got a vodka soda, I would actually charge you like, I forget what the prices were, but it was like under a dollar for the vodka and like $6 for the ice. Because if I charge you for the ice, then I could show that the profits came from the ice. Technically a food under the rules at the time. We could serve you with like some celery sticks. We were serving popcorn too at the time just to try to make sure we covered our, you know, covered our. But we didn't really charge you for the liquor. Although on the receipt, it would say that the price was the same. Anyway, Governor Abbott handled that like absolute dog Moving on to the border, though, the man has recovered. And I guess that's just part of the job. Like, you're going to do some things right, you're going to do some things wrong. But Governor Abbott decided to drop some razor wire and some buoys across the Rio Grande. And apparently, this has been one of the slowest immigration months of all time. And KJP likes to take credit for it with her president, her boss. Look what we've done. But they won't even mention the fact that they've dropped razor wire in the river 
KJP is done for. She is on the ticking time clock. We got another one here. I do want to play this right here, though. This is... I don't even know where to start with this. This this is <laughs> Attorney General Bonta. <laughs> like he he is suing a school district. Rob Bonta has filed a lawsuit to try to halt a school district enforcement on what his office calls a forced outing policy involving transgender students. I'm just going to let you listen to this. And and are at great risk of suicide and serious mental health issues. When a school is not supportive and not affirming, when it doesn't create a positive, welcoming environment, it is even worse. But the president... Okay. I'm going to pause it right there because it goes into like some ABC News spare reporting on this. Bonta, when he was speaking that, when he was, when he was actually speaking that, I want you to try to picture this. Like he's 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 not looking at the camera. He's not passionate about this. He's literally playing the part. Whoever asked him to do this, he's playing the part. Listen to this again. This is so bad. Please understand that the parents in the school district have sided with telling the parents about their children. Are you getting this? Right? Teachers, don't trans the kids. Like, what are you doing? So many teachers. I believe in the non-binary God. They do. I'm not going to say if I... No, I can't say that. Get myself in trouble. But Rob Bonta said he he's 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 against parents knowing about their children. So this dude by default is a spare. A spare. He got a phone call, most likely from somebody in the Biden administration, saying, Hey, um, if you'd like to keep your Democrat seat as attorney general, like you need to uh, I don't know, support the trans movement. And we need you to get out there and sue this school district because we can't have any dissent. We can't have people speaking up. We can't have this. We can't have this. And this, this mother gets on stage and reads from a card, doesn't look at the TV and says this. Levels of abuse and harassment and are at great risk of suicide. Oh, emotional blackmail. Like, if you don't, like, I'm suing to protect them so they don't kill themselves. Freaking idiot. And serious mental health issues. When a school is not supportive. When a school is not supportive. And not affirming. And we don't affirm. And it doesn't create a positive welcome. And it's not positive for them. Environment, it is even worse. And it's worse, and they die more often. Are you god darn kidding me? If there is one thing I'm just done with, it is the trans movement, the LGBTQ plus movement. Like, are you 
When did it become plus? Is that is that like premium membership? I mean, what are we talking about? LGBTQ plus? What's the plus? What do I get some like is it ad free if I'm the plus? What are we talking about? I feel like they pushed and they pushed and they pushed all summer long to try to get the school year to start the 2024, the 2023 school year to get it to start with like high trans movement, this and this. And it just sort of fell on its face because now every parent, every school district, everybody's like, if, if a school administrator, like there was one yesterday with the 12 year old with the Gadsden flag who tried to tell like the administrator's like, yeah, you can't wear the Gadsden flag patch, like the don't tread on me snake thing. Because it represents slavery. And the, and the mom, kudos to the mom. The mom walked in and goes, uh, yeah, you're wrong. Look, here's the facts. Even on the ACLU website, it says this is not about this. And even more kudos. I'm going to give more kudos here because the governor of Colorado came out, who I believe is on the left, and was like, yeah, that school district's out of line. So shout out to that guy. A little name look up here. Judge Ezra, good job for ruling on the way he did and seriously debating it. You could argue it either way. But the governor of California, I'm sorry, governor of Colorado, Jared Polis, police, Polis, yeah, he's definitely on the left. Came out and was like, yeah, we support that kid and that mom because that school should have been doing that. So shout out to him. You can see the difference, right? You got Rob Bonta, the attorney general, who is literally bent over a table getting whooped by Joe Biden. He is the slave. He is legit the slave getting bent over with the Biden administration behind him with all kinds of devices and weapons to get him to say what they want him to say. And then you have Jared police or polis, whoever, however you want to say it. Governor of Colorado, who is in the democratic party who came out and did not support the agenda and just said, yeah, that school district's wrong. I support that kid. And so shout out, do you see the difference in players here, the, the actors? It is what it is. The, the, the Hawaiian governor, the Hawaiian people out there in Maui, all leftist puppets, all doing what they say, not answering, keeping information to themselves, this and this, not speaking up. Not It's, it's about as bad as you could get out there. They're still finding people in cars, like families in cars that are burned to a crisp. It's just not getting covered anymore. Don't think that's that's solved. Only a week later, all that, you know, all that solved. It's not solved. In fact, it's the longer it goes, the worse it probably gets because Biden's just not doing anything. East Palestine, Ohio, where that train fell over and spilled all those chemicals. We had a dude on Fox News this morning saying how Biden hasn't been there. Nobody's sent anything. Nobody's done any cleanup. It's it's not getting covered in the media. Therefore, it's just being forgot about, and nobody's sending anybody and doing anything. 
That's exactly what Hawaii is about to experience. There's people out there literally on an island. That's not a metaphor that because they're out there and they're, and they're, they're suffering. They've lost everything. Developers are coming in to take their land. Insurance companies are not renewing their, their policies or cashing in on their policies, this and this. You've paid for insurance your whole life out there, but yeah, oh, that's too much. We're not, we can only give you this much. That's not enough to rebuild. Right? And then and then and then they sell their land to the developer because they're offering three times as much that as the insurance company's offering. They have to take it so they could survive. So it's it's heartbreaking. When these puppets just act like puppets. And maybe Jared Police is like an old school Democrat party guy, you know, like an RFK, like a JFK, like the old school Democrat party. Who knows? That's where we are. We're just sort of rolling through the news. I don't I don't really have a main theme of the show today. But I did want to play this for you. This will if I if I did have a main theme, this will be my main theme. This is Donald Trump on the Dave Letterman show in 1987. Listen to this. Can't afford to lose, and it's a shame. It's but a so shame now, are you, are you saying this by way of indicating that you could do it better, and you do intend to run for president? At some no, point? I'm not going to run for president. But I, I think somebody now could in do... in eight years, if you came back, would you have a different answer? In four years, I if tend you came to back. doubt it. I really tend really? to doubt it. But I, I just think that there's so many ways that this country can straighten itself out, and we're not going about those ways. Cutting yeah. farm aid is not the appropriate thing. Cutting help for the homeless and help for the poor yeah. and welfare, certain things can be done that really will mean big dollars to this country. And those things are not being done right now. Let me ask you one other question, um, because I know you have other appointments and stuff to get to. If you go to dinner and the bill is like, say, $25. First off, before we get into this, Dave Letterman, in my opinion, was the greatest talk show host. Oh, my dad would say Johnny Carson. But I'm going to say Dave Letterman. I never thought Jay Leno was good. He did a couple funny things. I remember headlines. That was good. And I remember when Wynton Marsalis was on there, like the music was a little more jazzy. It was a little better. But to me, the Dave Letterman show with Paul Schaefer and the CBS orchestra with Anton Fig on the drums, and then they'd bring in the horn section from Tower of Power we we'll go way back funk, San Francisco, West Coast funk music right there. They'd bring in all the horn player guests and all the stuff. The band was better. The city was better at the time. New York's a, a freaking show now. But they had, he had better guests on. And he, his interview style, to me, was, was just so much more intellectual and more intelligent. And everybody that watched Dave Letterman... Like, he asked these questions. Like, Donald Trump, who is a huge celebrity in 1987, I, he was already on his way to the most popular man in the world. And Dave Letterman's going to ask him about a tip question. And I'm going to give you my take on this in a second. How much of a tip would you throw down? Wow. One more time. One more time. 
many ways that this country can straighten itself out, and we're not going about those ways. Cutting yeah. farm aid is not the appropriate thing. Cutting so he's asked about the, the tipping. And how do you the tip? And welfare. How do you Certain tip? things can be done. I know how I tip. really will mean big dollars How does Donald Trump country, tip? And those things are not being done right now. Let me ask you one other question, because um, I know you have other appointments and stuff to get to. If you go to dinner and the bill is like, say, $25, <laughs> how much of a tip would you throw down? God, he looks young, too. Donald Trump looks very young. You know, the way I feel about tips, if somebody does a super job, yeah. I give more than anyone. And if somebody does a lousy job, I probably give less than anybody. And that's the way I feel about life. Life should be, you should be rewarded for competence and capability and doing a job and having a smile on your face, maybe, if that's the case. And I'm a pretty good tipper when somebody's good, and I'm a pretty lousy tipper if somebody's not good. So that's yeah. the way it is. But, you know, sitting here listening to this stuff, it seems to me you are dying to get to some pl public platform to superimpose those feelings upon the American awareness. Well, maybe, uh, maybe so, but I'm not. I, I would like to have the feelings known and let somebody else do it, and it can be done. If, yeah. it's, if it's carried, if the ball's carried correctly, it can be done. Yeah, but if you want something done right, do it yourself. 100%, 100%. And there is so much to talk about in that minute and a half clip of Donald Trump on David Letterman in 1987. And because it's Friday night, we're going to talk about it. I got nothing else going on. We got no breaking news. There was no major news dump, right? KJP lied today like she always does. We're going to move on from that. The governor, that was a couple days ago. Talk about that. We got all that stuff going on, but but I went ahead and found this. I, I was just clicking through. I was going down the YouTube rabbit hole. Forget what I was watching. The next thing you know, I'm on, I'm on something with Trump and David Letterman. And it was 23 minutes, and I, I sort of skipped around, and I found that clip right there where he straight up says, David Letterman asked him, are you going to run for president in 1987? And he's like, no, I don't think so, but I want my views to be known. You know what that tells me? That tells me that the man changed his mind. Obviously, he did. And he said, he said I had enough of this. He tried to tell everybody what, he's, what he thought. He tried to get people to do what he, what he thought would be good. And people just didn't do it, so he gave up and took it over himself. As David Letterman said in the end, if you want something done, go do it yourself. And he did. And he won in 2016. And the crazy part is, is that I honestly think that you can tell who anybody is by the way they tip. I think it is, it's one of those, oh, what else? It's one of those things where, like there's not a lot of true and tried methods to see who somebody is. Does that make sense? I, like there's there's ways to tell over time like being consistent over time or like watching somebody get hit with a bunch of challenges and how they react to all of those challenges right how they treat others you know right authentic people often treat everyone with the same level of respect which you know, is, 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 is a tried and true method. However, 
a lot of times you don't have that many interactions inter- interactions with these people. Like you don't, you can't get that read. Obviously, you can with your family. You see them all the time. You're with them all the time. You can with your girlfriend, right? You 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 see them all the time. You know how they you you know what's that Happy Gilmore where he's in love with the the PR specialist and and he's like, well, he treat and she's like in love with Shooter McGavin and Shooter McGavin treats dogs and old people bad but she doesn't see it because she's always working and adam sandler's like why do you like him he treats dogs and old people bad you know consistency a lack of hesitation in their responses could imply that the person is speaking the truth right Pay attention to whether someone is using overly complex or vague language, Joe Biden, to describe simple concepts. KJP won't even answer if men or women and whatever can play in sports. Like, she won't answer the question. Men are men and women are women. And she won't say if they think men should not be able to play with women in women's sports. Like, she won't say it. She avoids the question. Which tells you immediately that she is a liar. Consistent eye contact, open body language, smiles. These are nonverbal cues that you read and you pattern. You make a pattern over time of people. Some people give it away immediately. Right? I'm talking to my coworker. I won't name my coworker, but I'll talk to my coworker. We had a conversation this week about the BS meter. We know when the BS meter is like flickering or the BS light, whatever you want to call it. Right? And, and you just get a sense. So you got you you can check the nonverbal cues of consistent eye contact, open body language, smiles. You can check their speech patterns of consistency, hesitation, vocabulary. You can check their actions over time. But if you're with somebody for a short period of time, how do you do that? Consistency over time, reactions to challenges, how they treat others. Interaction patterns, right? You can check their listening skills, their humility. How, how responsive are they to your, your requests? Other observations would be like, reciprocity you know like genuine people often share about themselves in a way that matches the emotional tone and content of the other person but forget everything i just said in the last two minutes right with the bs meter which you know who i'm talking to the bs meter is like flashing red at this point but eliminate all of that There is one simple way, one guaranteed, tried and true method to figure out if you are a good person or a bad person, and that is how you tip and how you treat your waitress or waiter. And for this reason, I will make both of my children wait tables or serve, or whatever you want to call it, at a restaurant for at least the summer before they graduate high school. And if they don't, I will make them. I will literally lose my mind, get arrested for forcible, whatever you want to call it, 
I'm going to make them work forcible slavery, whatever, whatever. They're going to work at a restaurant for at least three months at like 20, 30 hours a week. Lunch shifts, dinner shifts, all of it. They can quit after that, but I want them to know it. I want them to see. I want them to associate what good people look like, what fake people look like, you know, the ones that like act like they're really like into what you're doing and you, oh, you're doing such a great job. Thank you so much. And they tip you a dollar. I want them to know that people exist like that. I want them to know the stereotypes. I want them to know how rude people can be, how inconsiderate people can be, how, how oblivious people can be in a restaurant situation. You could, you could literally be sitting across from a table of 20 people, a giant family post-church brunch or whatever, and you and your husband or wife could be sitting there at a table for two, and people get pissed because you won't give them service. And they have it in their right mind that they should be getting the same service as the 20 top less than five feet away. But, they, but they're too stupid to look to the right and see that one waiter or waitress, whoever that might be for you, is refilling 20 drinks, taking 20 orders, and doing the things. They, they, these people are dumb. People are so dumb. Not only can you figure out how a person is by the way they wait on their waiter and the way they wait on their waitress, but you can also figure out who somebody is by the way they tip their waiter or waitress. Now, I am 1,000% in line with Donald Trump in 1987. He goes, if they did great, I tipped them great. If they suck, I tipped them like they suck. I'm totally down with that. I'm sorry. You can call it what you want. It's a meritocracy. You should not be tipped $10 or 20% when you absolutely suck as a waiter or waitress. We know we as customers can't slap you to tell you you suck. We, in fact, we don't typically say anything. We just shake our heads like you suck. We don't say you suck. We just wait till you leave. And then we tell whoever we're sitting with this waiter is terrible, right? That that's what happens. So why should you be tipped and rewarded for sucking? I, I'm to, I, I don't care how you feel about it. And Donald Trump in 1987 went on that show, David Letterman's show, and said, this is what I do. If you're great, I tip you more than anybody ever. And if you suck, I tip you like nothing. And to me... That right there says who he is. He is not the president, the former president getting indicted for the RICO Act in Georgia. He is not the president getting arrested for inciting an insurrection. He is not that president. It's not what you think. The, the, the media has lost their damn mind 
because you heard it. You heard him say, you can't do this and you can't do this and I don't want to do it. I want somebody else to do it. But there's so many bad decisions. There's so many, I, I do business with Japan. There's so many bad decisions. Why can't somebody come in there and like fix this crap? He was saying it then in almost, was it 90, 2000, 30 years later, almost 30 years later, the guy has had enough. And he's like, I'm fixing this crap. Tried in 2016, didn't win in 2020, got it stolen in 2020, and he is now just committed. He's committed. He's almost 80. He's going to die, and within, I mean, say he lives to be 100. That's still two decades. Like, you're getting there. It's 20 years. That's tops. Most likely, it's within 10, and if he goes to jail, it'll be within five. He is absolutely committed. This is his life work, life's work. He started in real estate and he went ahead and said, I'm fixing this crap. Because if nobody else is going to do it, like David Letterman said. And so that's it. Like, that's it. You can't say he's a bad person. So anything you hear in the media, I'm telling you, it is that tried and true. You go ask every single. I don't even know what this, I, uh, you ask every single one of those that, you know, you go ask them how they tip or even better yet, because they're going to lie to you. You go eat with them and watch how those holes tip. You go watch how they tip your friends. You want to judge your friends. You want to regroup your friends. You want to make sure that they're like good people. Like if you're like people you don't trust, you ask them how they tip. They don't need to tip 100%, but they need to be aware. So like at uh, what's the last restaurant I went to is was Logan's Roadhouse or whatever. The waitress was not very fast. In fact, most people would argue that she sucked. She was not fast. I was out of a drink most of the time. She didn't like our food, like didn't get our drink order in like 15, 20 minutes, something crazy. However, because I have worked in a restaurant, I looked to my left. There was a table of six. She got double sat. Right? So now you got like 11 people or whatever it was, 11 people. And then there's us, just a table of two. Right? And she's going to focus on the bigger tables because the bigger tables should, should give the bigger tip. And I even told her, I recognized this situation early. And I said, do not worry about us. You got, you got big top over there. We're good. Fried pickles, like bring it to us. And we're fine. We'll order when you're ready. And she just still seemed flustered, you know, when she came back and she was in a hurry, but, but, and I still tip, I still tip 20%. I did not penalize her for some hostess little 13 year olds mistake. Right. And, and that's the catch. That's the catch. Everybody's like, he's such a criminal. He's such this, he's such that. I, and I promise you, 
I promise you, because he's so intelligent, Donald Trump is so intelligent that he that he read the law and he like moved, you know, the decimal over here or there, right? You know, he he wrote off this expense and called it this because he could, because he knew about it. You wanna call that criminal? Call it criminal. But here's the bottom line. If he tips good, then he's a good dude. Like that's it. I've never met a more tried and true method. There's never been an a-hole who tips good. I'm sorry that you quote me all day. Put that on the cover of the show. There's never been an who is tipped 25, 30% every time that doesn't exist. You find that person. You let me know if you're a, then you're a tipper. There's no arguing this. I don't like, there's no arguing any of this. I've been in the service industry long enough to tell you if you're a crappy tipper, you're a crappy person, but it is a meritocracy. I think there's another, I think there's another level of insanity of people who give 25% no matter what. Those are the same kids. Those are the same people that their parents said, I'm proud of you no matter what. Like you come home in a fight getting ISS for five days and your parents are like, I'm proud of you. Like I'm proud of no matter what my kid does. I'm proud of my kid no matter what he does. No, I will drop that pride real quick. You know, keep it on an elementary school level. I'll drop that pride real quick if you're disrespectful to your teachers. I will be embarrassed and I will let you know. You can take it to the maximum level. I will drop the pride of my kid real quick if he goes and shoots up a school when he's a teenager. Like, you do not give pride like it is freaking water. That is earned. And when you're a good tipper, you tip good. Like, if you're a good tipper, you want to tip good. You're not just a good tipper because you have a lot of money and you want to give it away. Donald Trump on David Letterman said, said it right. He, that is it. That is all you need to hear. He cares about the country. He tips good and he tips bad when you suck. And he took that into politics. And if you didn't get the job done, he let you go. He called you out. In fact, that's the entire deep state's problem with this man who represents two middle fingers to the entire system is that he operates the same way the man, he tips. We're not going to lie. He's not lying anymore. I'm not going to lie to my, my waitress and be like, yo, you get a $30 tip on a, on a $30 tab. Because you didn't get my drink right and you messed up my food order. Like, that doesn't make any sense. If I never have to say something twice and my drink's always full and you bring me a to-go box before I ask it because you see that I'm not going to finish it, I'm tipping you like 30% because I see you doing work. And Donald Trump, in that interview with David Letterman, looked back. And uh, look back at it. Go watch it again. He definitely is watching the people not do the work, the government officials. And he's like, I could do it better. 
He goes, I don't want to do it better, but I, this is so stupid. Like, why can't you figure this out? He was actually promoting his book, The Art of the Deal. In 1987. But I, I'm definitely curious to know how this is going to turn out. You know, Tucker Carlson did an interview the other day. He was speaking with Adam Carolla on the comedian's YouTube show. And he said, they indicted him three times. This quote from Tucker Carlson. They Quote, they indicted him three times and every single time his popularity rose. End quote. And he's spot on because if you begin with criticism, which they did, and then they go to protest, which they did, and then you go to impeachment twice, which they did. They didn't get him really. Then you go to indictment and none of those work. What's next? What's next? Left? We said this yesterday. I'm not the first one to say this. I'm like the fifth one to say this. Tucker Carlson, quote, we are speeding towards assassination for Trump, end quote. No one will say that, but I don't know how you can't reach that conclusion. And I totally agree. Yesterday's show, was it two days ago? Whatever it was. There is no limit to the left. And you have a man, Donald Trump, on the right, who tips well when you perform, who tips appropriately when you don't. And he's been saying that crap since 87. And he gets into office and he spots the three major issues, the three major issues of our time. Immigration. War in the Ukraine. Right? And China deals with China. And he fixes all of them. All of them. Blows up the deals, puts better deals in place. He is the art of the deal. He knows business. He got it back to where it should have been. So then they criticize. And then they protest him, and then they impeach him, and then they lie about him and indict him. Not once, not twice, not three times, but four times. None of them work. His poll numbers go up. He's still campaigning. You've tried to throw him in trial every day for the next year. Speaking of, speaking of trial... We'll go a little long. It's been, what, 58 minutes? We're, we're good now. I'll just keep talking. I don't know who listens to this show anymore, especially after the 58 mark. It says I got a, It says I have way less engaged listeners, whatever that means, versus listeners. I got a lot of listeners. Lots of listeners, and then it drops off by half for engaged listeners. So I don't know how many people make it to the 59th minute of the show, but I will say this. I will say this. There was a judge, the judge in Atlanta has ruled that all court proceedings in Trump's trial in his uh, Georgia election interference racketeering case will be live streamed and viewable by the public. Judge Scott McAfee of the Superior Court of Fulton County made the ruling Thursday. The judge also ruled that cell phones, recording devices and laptops will be allowed in court as long as they do not disrupt the administration of justice. Yikes. So I saw it's a double-edged sword here. I say yes. I say yes. I say put the cameras in because the judge will be 
hesitant to act a fool and the prosecutors will be hesitant to act a fool. If there is some crazy statute ruling motion thing that they're just going to side with because it's the left, they'll be way more hesitant if they know millions of people are watching and it will be millions. Who knows how many it will be tons. I will be watching it. I will be listening to it at work. I will have an inner earpiece that I can hear every single freaking question and thing like that. It will be the biggest trial in American history. Of course, they're going to put it on trial. I, I side with it. I think it worse happened. I think worse. I think it's way worse if they hide it and the lawyers can now hide their shady tactics and the judge can now rule this way based on the evidence presented. Like now everybody across the country is going to be a legal expert. And I'm totally down with that. Sunshine is the greatest disinfectant, and I think that is the best way to go. I think that is the strongest argument. I think there is an argument against cameras in the in the in the courtroom. I think there's arguments against all of it in the courtroom. I 100% agree that there is an argument that you could make to not having them in there. I just think the argument for having them in there is way stronger. Like, way stronger. A couple more headlines. Dr. Jordan Peterson of the Daily Wire and of Canada, he's Canadian, said that he will move to broadcast publicly the social media training or the re-indoctrination social media training that he was ordered to undergo by a psychologist governing body that targeted Peterson for criticizing the trans ideology movement, climate change in the Canadian government. Peterson told Fox News host Jesse Waters on Thursday that he hoped to film or audio record all sessions of the court upheld social media training. Last week, the Ontario Superior Court of Justice ruled that the College of Psychologists of Ontario could mandate Peterson to go through a so-called specified continuing education or remedial program. Let's just be as real as we possibly can. Canada has lost their god mind. All of them. That's all I got to say about that. And I have no reason to go. And we'll end on this. We'll end on this headline because this is absurd to me. I could have a whole show on this. Christine Baumgartner, Kevin Cosner's ex-wife has formally requested a judge set a new monthly child support payment of $161,592 yesterday amid the ongoing divorce proceedings. The new number is $31,000 higher than the original set amount of $129,000. Costner's legal team accused Baumgartner of receiving $20,000 from a boyfriend in the new court documents. However, Baumgartner revealed she had received $20,000 from somebody else, not her boyfriend. So what are we doing here? Like, what are we doing? How on earth has a society or a government got to a point where a woman could say, I don't want to be with you and I don't want to keep our family together. Then go to court and make $161,592 per month. 
like I don't know what to say to this per month. Yeah, I'm just letting the clock run. Like I, I'm honestly like, what are we talking about here? And then she goes back and asks for a raise for thirty-one thousand more dollars, thirty-two thousand more dollars. What's wrong with this woman? She's just trying to punish him. And the fact, like, I don't even care about Kevin Costner because I can empathize. Right? And so the, the child support system was originally a bipartisan policy designed to serve divorced parents who were steadily employed. Right? And the system was established 40 years ago, and it's, it's, it's based on outdated stereotypes. Like, you viewed the mom as a housewife and the dad as the sole breadwinner. Well, you, nobody could survive like that anymore. Like, you got to get... Like, it's super rare for the dad to be the sole breadwinner and the, and the mom not to have to have a job. And even if you are that way, like, I I mean, great, I guess. I, I, I think maybe my brother's like that, but, but like, I'm just going to be real. Like, my brother's wife works way harder than my brother. She has three kids at home. Like, that's hard. Like, every time I see her, I'm like, I don't know how the heck you do that. I can barely do two. Right? I mean, that works, right? He's My brother's off making some money, and it's, you know, his wife's making, like, earning the money. <laughs> like, that's what she's doing. Like, that's different, though. That's not what this child support is about. It's not what it's about. You know, in, in, in a way, you have a 1970s narrative with a 2020s reality, you know, and, and I just feel like it's unfair, maybe because I went through it, maybe because I've thought about it a lot. You know, 29% of families in the system, in the, in the court system, live below the federal poverty line, and many fathers sincerely want to do right by their children. I know I do. But, like... Do I have the means to do so? Pretty hard when I'm paying like 28%. 28% of my net income just gone. Let's be real though. I still take them out to eat. I still take them places. I could take them camping. I take them fishing. I buy all these things for them. Right? I, we got the stuff at the house. We got the rooms. We got all these things. We have buy the buy this, buy this, buy this, and do this and do this and take them there and take them there, do this and do this and do this. I do all these things. Not included in the twenty eight percent. Right, and research has shown that men with outstanding child support debts tend to be less involved. And for the record, I've been up to date. If I ever got behind because I lost a job here or there. I got back on it as soon as I could. And that's just the way it works. Some states treat this with incarceration. It's just like, what are we doing? There's, there's this giant myth of this like deadbeat dad crap. You know, in my case, I may argue that the mom has the appearance of not being a deadbeat, but she may be. You never know. 
freaking Christine Bumgarner, 121,000, not enough. I need 150,000. That's how a lot of women are, man. The hell with that. Freaking ridiculous. I think the current system just fixates fixates on a on enforcement. It it doesn't even address involvement. Right? It just focuses with an emphasis on enforcement and not enough focus on getting fathers involved in the children's lives. I'm going to tell you right now, I try to go to every practice, every game. Right? And then there's things like the Federal Parent Locator Service, which is a national database to track down non-custodial parents to enforce payments. Let's be absolutely real on this, and I'm going to end on this. Because I, I, if I keep talking about this, I'm going to lose my mind. Like, th- there's no shortage of evidence showing that shared parenting helps offset the negative effects of divorce. I mean, we can talk about this all day. And if you can't pick up on it, I'm a god dang expert with this topic. There is no shortage of evidence showing that shared parenting helps offset the negative effects of a divorce. Right? And and while I totally agree that it's important that kids and and young kids, old kids, it doesn't really matter that everybody receives adequate financial support. Right? It's arguably even more essential to have quality time than that support. I don't care what you say. You either pay the money and disappear. You're going to say basically, well, the money's more important. You can just pay the money and get out. Or you're going to say, money's not that big of a deal. The fact that you're here and being supportive to those children is the most important part, right? And I don't think there should be such thing as child support. I really don't. You can get a all riled up woman. I don't care who you... I don't think there should be such thing as child support. It was never designed to be about the child. Like, let's be 100% real. Any ex-wife asking for a divorce is going into that room for money. They are not, like, that's it, that's it. If they are unhappy in their marriage, do you think their next marriage was happy? Do you think their third marriage was happy? Come on. Child support was never designed to be about the child. That is a lie. That is a lie the court wants you to believe. That is a lie. Whoever's pushing it, which I think is the court's, it's, it's, it's a band of merry thieves in the support of the collections unit to tell non-custodial parents who most often happen to be males. Right? The child support is money-making scam used by the state who are financially motivated to enforce this child support. How is this even possible? I've done a little research. You know, each dollar of child support collected by the state, right? You got you got me there. Each dollar collected by the state then gets a 1 to 1 dollar ratio of federal grant money. So if you pay $20,000, in child support, 
then you're responsible for giving the state $20,000 of federal grant money. Right? And most of this money goes to the fill the welfare coffers of the state who like to pander to the single mothers of the children. Right? Welfare recipients are often single mothers. Right? You don't believe me? It's all spelled out in the Social Security Act. Title Four, Part D, Section 458. Quote, incentive payments to the states. End quote. It's a scam that employs many people. Many judges issue orders of protection against the father to expedite this process and confiscate custody of the children away from the father, most likely before he knows what's going on. <laughs> Believe me, I was blessed with, with the grace of such a person. Right? And then the court treats you Treat your child as though they are the property of the state, which we all know today, that's what they want. They want to be the dictator of what your children learns, where your children goes, who they go with, when they go there, where they are, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They want masterful control over all of it. They do. And I, I've yet to say something that I don't think anybody can disagree with, especially if you've been through it. I'm going to say it one more time. Social Security Act, Title IV, Part D, Section 458, under the guise of incentive payments. Please go read it. Right? The court treats your child as though they are the property of the state. I'm going to give that another name. I'm going to give it another name. It's called kidnapping. Court napping, whatever you want to call it, right? And then they guilt trip you by asking, you want to take care of your child, don't you? You want to take care of your child, right? Then you, then you best pay the child support. Right? I just think fathers are victimized by the court who now makes it illegal for you to be the father and only by the court's leave are you allowed to be a father. You are not a subject. I am not a subject. I'm a citizen with rights, God damn it. I never bought into this best interest of the child crap. It's it's absolute horse <laughs> Right, in the event of a divorce, the true best interest of the child can never be realized anymore. I'm going to say that again. In the event of a divorce, the true best interest of any child can never be realized anymore. Right? And so children need both parents together for this to happen. They just can't do it anymore. You got quitters that file for divorce. Right? Never wonder why the state doesn't care how the child support money is used. You ever think about this? Have you ever wondered why the state doesn't care while the how the child support money is used? Anybody got an answer for that? Or whether it's just paid? Anybody ever think about this? We only want you to pay it. We don't care where it goes. Because child support is extortion. It's 100% 
extortion. Don't pay child support. We'll take away your license. Don't pay up. We'll arrest you and put you in jail. If a threat follows a demand, it's extortion by God darn definition. And I've already said the state is financially motivated to issue child support orders. That's a conflict of interest. It's a conflict of interest. Without a doubt. And for the record, I love my children and I will give them everything. I will be broke. I will eat ramen until they can eat as much as they want. But the system is corrupt. It's extortion. And that's where I side on that. And if you're a woman and you disagree, then you need to wake up. You need to wake up. Because everything I just said is true. Every single thing. Go read your court napping clause and your social security clause. It's a one-to-one basis. They, it's an incentive for them to get money. And you get played. You get played. The woman goes in there and files. Oh, I just need support. I need support. Yeah, we'll get you that support. We'll get you that support. Yeah, we need... We, yeah, it's all about... It's got to be hard to support two kids on your own. Right? Well, you got a dad over there saying, hey, I want to support. But the woman... Is like, I mean, we could go into bashing if we want to, but we won't. We'll end the show right there. Went a little long today. It's Labor Day weekend. What do we got this weekend? I got a trip. I'm going to announce it right here. I don't think she's listening to the show, but we're going to announce it right here. We're going to the Windstar in Oklahoma. We're going to go to the Windstar. We're going to check this place out, right? We're gonna, I got a craps system. I got a craps system. I'm going to play a certain way, and I'm going to take my $100, and I'm going to turn it into 1000 I have a craps system. I also have a roulette system to make me several extra $100. So we're going to go to the casino. We're going to drop down a certain amount of money, and we're going to quadruple it in a certain amount of time because that's how math goes. And because I teach physics and chemistry, I can do math. I got the math down, and I know odds and probability, and we, we got it all laid out. I got a certain amount I'm going to drop on the casino, and I got a certain amount I'm going to make. I already know this. It's going to pay for this. It's going to pay for this. It's going to pay for this. That's what we're going to do because I know what I'm doing. I may throw down some slots just to entertain myself a little bit, maybe throw some blackjack out there. It's not really my main game, though. It's not really my main game. My main game is roulette. The system I have for roulette is pretty flawless. And I'm going to, I'll tell you the numbers. I'm going to be straight up honest with you when I come back on Monday. But that leaves me with nothing else to say other than happy labor, happy labor day, everybody. I got a nice, and if you're from Texas, you know what I'm going to talk about right here. I got a nice big mama's pizza waiting on me in the other room. And I'm going to go throw down. Happy Labor Day, everybody. Have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. 